0: If you're looking for a good summer read, if you're like, I want to finish the season on a high literary note, I've got just the book for you. Mine. That's right. <laughs> you should read my book. It's a young adult novel called *Malrow* and the Midnight Organ Fight. Yeah, I've talked about it before. Yeah, I've talked about it a lot. But now it's in paperback. So what are you going to do about that? Paperback. Uh, you should uh, check it out. It's portable. It's a paperback version. You could take it to the beach and hang out there and read and uh, and be grateful that you're not carrying around a massive hardback book. Uh, paperback Malrow and the Midnight Organ Fight. Order it from your local indie bookshop. Walk in and say, "Hey, Mallory," because Mallory owns this one. Uh, can we get this Malrow book? And she'll be like, I "Already ordered it for you, Stephen." because she knows your name too. On Amazon, I know it's fast, and they'll drone it in, and and they'll leave you a sandwich with a sprig of mint on it, and Jeff Bezos goes to space. You get your book quickly. Everybody's happy. But I think you shouldn't do that. I think you should do it the indie way, where your indie bookseller who owns that store can pay their rent and uh, and eat dinner uh, for the next month. (laughs) That's what I think you should do. And if you don't live near an indie bookshop, that's okay. Find one online, Powell's, or A Great Good Place for Books. Order it through them. They'll ship it, and they'll do it happily. Anyway, there you go. There's my endorsement of indie bookshops. I don't think it was a huge surprise that I, <laughs> that I feel that way. Um, but do what you can to support them and keep them in business. I'm Alex Green. And this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out.
1: Take a load of freight Through a southern state In my everyday
0: tell you a little bit about sea gibbs the san diego born sea gibbs sounds like the surf but not the sunny part the deep dark part the part that twists through fathoms and moves with a silent but potent current under the waves it's true the singer-songwriter's music is a dreamy blend of california darkness and pure coastal soul With a delivery that falls somewhere between Nick Cave and maybe Simon Aldred of Cherry Ghost, Gibbs is a mesmerizing talent, and he always has been. His CV has quietly gotten pretty crammed over the years, playing with Fetus, playing guitar in modern English, fronting his own band, The Morning Glories, and forming the chamber rock outfit, Lucinda Black Bear. Since the late 90s, C. Gibbs has put out close to 15 solo albums and all of them are fantastic. There's too many to mention. I love them all, but a couple that you might want to start with. 29 Over Me, Sleep the Machines, He Arrived by Helicopter, The Shiny Hostel. Look, Gibbs's work is always compelling, and it's always marvelous. And his new album, Tales from the Terramar, is one of 2021's very best. A stirring collection that showcases Gibbs's gifts as a songwriter, Tales from the Terramar is about the ocean, about going home, and it's about the juxtaposition between the industrial and the natural world. Gibbs sings with precision, muscle, and finesse, and his compositions are the ideal example of how subtlety can be absolutely riveting. This is a great chat, and C. Gibbs, he's a great guy. So here we go, me and C. Gibbs having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Good buddy, how are you?
2: Good, good.
0: You're uh, you you're in the car.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm stuck. Like I'm, I'm in between doing some some errands. I'm actually at a very unrock and roll place at a golf course right now. Yeah, I. That's... You know,
0: <laughs> there, <laughs> there are a lot of golfers who are also rock and rollers, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm not golfing. I'm, but I'm. My kid has like a. You know his soccer team. They're they're trying to do team bonding, so the coach is like, we're, instead of got instead of practice, we're just gonna do, you know, foot golf today. So that's
0: that's cool. Doing. I mean, dude, I you know you and I follow each other on Instagram. And I gotta say, like, you seem like one of the coolest dads ever. Uh, I try to be. You don't see
2: me like yelling at him,
0: but <laughs> 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 well those guys look like they know they're very loved
2: yeah yeah they're they're pretty cool they're 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 good kids most of the time yeah i try try, but you know it's challenging but i try definitely
0: yeah i imagine um you develop a reservoir of patience yeah yeah right are you are you a patient guy um
2: not really like I, i i've learned to be patient but yeah, I mean with other stuff I'm not patient. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like the whole especially with the music business, like it's really hard releasing records because like when the record's done, you gotta wait a few months, you know, for the timing of it and all that. And I'm kinda like, uh, ah, I wanna make the next record, you know.
0: Are you are you in a perpetual state of, of being creative then because you just you just wanna keep going? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean I I I definitely, you know, the it's always like the the newest song that you write is always always your favorite one you know so yeah. um I definitely like the, the ones that I just write and record I'm like oh my god that's that one's going first on the record or you know and or I'm gonna like even before the record's released I'll I'll just start a side project out of you know being impatient and you know because then I'm like well the side project doesn't need to be promoted the right way and it's just a side project and it'll be fun just to make this record and then what happens is it ends up becoming a real project you know what I mean so
0: yeah yeah I mean I can see that but it's but it seems like you make good use of your time like you don't seem like a guy who wastes time
2: yeah I don't try I try not to but I just I I have I definitely have some you know binge watching moments on Netflix sometimes you know yeah cocaine cowboys or you know (laughs)
0: But I feel like those moments are earned because I'm the same way. Like I'm I'm perpetually busy too. And then like I was watching Van Helsing the other night, and I was like, "This is awesome." But I also felt like I had done so much work that I kind of earned those moments, you know, uh, of being able to do that. So, uh, dude, you know what? This is a weird thing to tell you, but I remember I'm a few years older than you, I think. But I remember when your first record came out. Must have been '99 or something, but. Uh, I may have the title wrong, but I think it's $2 Ford. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think about that song once a week. Like, I love that oh. song so much, man. Oh. I, I, I'm I, telling you, I put it on everybody's mix from 99 to 2005 when we were still doing oh. stuff like that. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you. Thank you.
2: I I was love that. My, that was actually my second, maybe my two two 2.5 record. You know what I mean? But, But, yeah, that was – thank you so much. That's awesome, man. That was my first record that I put out on my own label so that was cool
0: okay that was 29 over me right 29 over me uh
2: was the first record that came out on a major label but it's kind of weird because my very first record came out on cargo headhunter um under the Sue gibbs review moniker and it's not available online or anything it just came out you know on the cargo label imprint and then when negotiations started happening with atlantic they wanted me to re-record like five of the songs. Mm-hmm. So there's there's the the Atlantic record Twenty Nine Over Me has five of those songs, but re-recorded, you know, with a producer and all that stuff, and you know, fancy session LA musicians and stuff. And then um, and then there's like six new songs. So
0: okay, I got the feeling back then that they didn't know exactly what to do with you. I, I love that record, but I felt like they didn't know what to do with C Gibbs.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a whole name issue, like, they wanted me to have a band name and, you know, pretend I was a band, but have a solo record deal, you know what I mean? And um, we 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 fought each other a lot, you know, but I we picked our battles and, you know, when you're 20-something and people are throwing a little money at you and stuff, you kind of feel beholden to them a little bit. Like, it was more money than I ever saw in my life on that, you know, publishing deals and record deals. And then you're like oh i guess i should do what they asked me to do and then the punk rock side of you is like you know no i'm not i'm I'm not gonna do that and i don't need to go to miami and and work with some trainer that trained robert plant or something you know what i mean like they, they i think they have assistants like the major label people and they're like and the assistant just gets excited and like it's like because her job is to find you a trainer in Miami or something. I'm like, I'm, I'm living in LA. Why can't I get a trainer? here? So it's just funny how they try to create your whole persona and they want you to dress a certain way and like lose weight. And you know, it's, it's crazy. I never, I've never experienced that before till then, you know,
0: did it mess with your head a little bit?
2: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of pressure, you know, like, I mean, I'm not complaining. I I, I was super happy to not have to work three jobs in restaurants again for a few years. So, that was nice you know <clears throat> like that part of it um um but yeah like when we got signed by this guy Yves Bouvet, mm-hmm. who is he was like the guy at atlantic he was the french guy who he had like he signed more esoteric acts like latin playboys and like um um los cubanos i think i might don't quote me on that i might be getting the name right wrong but you know he they let him like have fun and sign like weird new york city lower east side bands and, and um there wasn't a lot of pressure to make them hits you know and then but somehow i had these managers from la and they combined with um atlantic you know they they bumped up the record deal a bit with more money and stuff so then so then atlantic brought in like the bigger a and r guy to oversee it and then of course then they want hits and all that stuff when they start giving you a little bit more money so it probably would have been better to have a smaller deal you know
1: mm. and just yeah. stick
2: with it. and eve was still part of it but they just you know they just i don't know you get lost in the machine a little bit
0: how do you regroup how do you because i imagine it's a momentum killer creatively like was it heavy for you when the atlantic thing sort of ended where you how was the walk-off on that
2: yeah yeah it was pretty heavy i mean first of all it was like something that you know you work really hard and then you you get this kind of lucky situation this very auspicious thing that happens to you and then um and you go for this fun ride it was like a three-year ride because even before you make the record you know you got to pick the producers and then the record takes forever for them to release so um and then we actually my my managers were like we should ask to get off atlantic because you know they're just not promoting it and i i had more promotion and marketing with cargo headhunter like a a label that gave me four thousand dollars to make a record than i did with atlantic who gave me like you know crazy amount of money Mm -hmm. and um and i would ask atlantic hey how come you guys aren't taking the ad out like like cargo used to take out an ad magnet and option magazine and you know alternative press whatever and then they're like oh we only take out ads if you're you know big already and i'm like well how do you get big you know like, i mean how does that happen they're like well you got to get like a, a market starts playing your record and then we'll get behind it i'm like that doesn't make any sense to me i mean it's called a and r artist and repertoire so whatever they just but you know I'm i'm kind of over it you know like i i love I love having my own timeline. In some ways I love it. In some ways I don't, because I'm not very disciplined with, you know, getting all the ducks in a row to, to release a record and, and all that stuff. So it's good to have someone on my team to kind of say, Hey man, you got to finish that record. Um, yeah. Or you can do this and we need to get it out by here. Cause if I don't have that, then I'll, I'll take too long trying to,
0: you know, make it really good or whatever. Yeah, I get that. I get it. And by the way, I always thought of, you know, you're because you're originally from San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine, like, were you were you like was punk rock like your was like were you into the Minutemen and like were you into that whole thing or was that was that too early for you? No, no, I, I love like
2: um fire hose and I was probably more fire hose than Minutemen, you know. Um mm-hmm. and a lot of the labels like my old band Morning Glories, we are on cargo headhunter, so we know a lot of bands on that label i don't know if they're super punk rock but they kind of have that loud angular you know mathematic you know i love Drive like jehu and they don't know who i am but i mean i really like (laughs) i mean i met i met them various times and played shows with them but yeah i mean i think their music's great so i love that kind of stuff um but the punk rock thing like our bass player he was more like the punk rock guy and, and morning glorious and, you know, when we would do videos, he wouldn't stand on the X that the director asked him to. And, mm. You know, he was very rebellious, but he turned me on to a lot of those acts, you know, but he also turned me on to like Tom Waits and stuff like that, so.
0: We're both California kids, but did you have a, an attraction to the British stuff as well?
2: Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I, I love the Smiths, Headma- Headmaster's Ritual. I love that song. And, my God. Um, <clears throat> you know, Joy Division, um, like I, I played um there was a band we always played with my first band which would never put out a record in in san diego and this band was called atrocity exhibition and you know i think that was off off of joy division song if i'm right but um, i think that's right yeah yeah and they so we we also i was also exposed to a lot of music from the bands we played with and they'd be like you know they'd turn me on a joy division um so yeah i mean it's it's funny there's a big mod scene in san diego too so Mm. we would you know, but as I wasn't really a mod necessarily. I mean, it was kind of hard to to be a mod with bleach blonde hair and you know when you go surfing on the weekends. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. It was this weird dichotomy of like guys in vespas but with you know bleach blonde hair and have they had the buttons and the tapered pants and so. But we would go to Montezuma Hall and and like you know and watch the three o'clock. You know, which is this uh-huh. band. And I, I remember being blown away when the guy brought out like the grapes, the whole deli tray, and it was very renaissance with his fluffy sleeves. And so yeah, if anything, the you know, the psychedelic mod thing was kind of more what we were exposed to at first, you know?
0: That paisley underground stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love the three o'clock. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I I remember back back when we were kids that and it's different now for your kids, but you know, music was tribal. You could look at a guy and you knew what his record collection was, right? It's not like that anymore. Yeah. You, you have no idea.
2: I know, I know. I mean, we all had slight identity crises back there, you know, back in those days in San Diego because it's a weird environment. It's this hedonistic environment, you know? <clears throat> but I think good music can be got anywhere, you know? And, and like people are influenced no matter what kind of geographic area they're in, you know? so you get exposed to it because there's always going to be that the bass player you're playing with that will turn you on to it or the band they're opening up for who will be like hey you gotta stop using those synthesizers you know like listen to this band you know yeah because we went, we were playing juno one sixes and we're you know we would play down in tijuana when that, those were their first shows you know and they would actually pay us more than the american clubs to and we were like 16 or something playing and tj because in san diego you're really close to tj so Mm
1: -hmm. but yeah
2: i always love the the san francisco scene though i mean we always wanted to go to san francisco being san diegans really we didn't really want to go to la too much we were just like we like we just associated la with kind of the the heavy you know the more the glam rock heavy metal thing and then that's why we ended up in new york and you know
0: yeah, we had back in the '80s we had a we had a very big metal scene happening in the Bay Area. There was a lot of metal here. There was almost too much really? metal. Oh my God! Yeah,
2: I didn't even know that. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. There were these two clubs with the Stone and the Omni, and it was like you know Y and T would play there all the time. And like you know, anyway, we had this huge metal metal thing here in the in the '80s. So a lot of that, a lot of those guys were floating around, but. um. How has your I mean it seems like you got to work pretty early I mean at 16 you were already playing gigs and writing songs and you know you were pretty disciplined pretty early on um in spite of in spite of being young and and being all over the place with with life um how is your process now in terms of in terms of writing songs in terms of thinking about music are you pretty productive are you and and has the songwriting process become more streamlined as you've gotten older
2: mm. That's a good question. I mean, I think technology has has changed the songwriting process too. You know? Yeah, I miss the good old notebook, but I don't use it myself. You know what I mean? Like, I'll I'll use notes on my iPhone to like write lyrics because we're all everyone's mobile now, right? So you get you get these like little like fifteen minutes or half hour, forty five minutes of time where you could really concentrate. I mean for me the car is like a very productive area for me you know because i'm i have have kids now so like i i drive them all over the place and if i do go home and now with the covid thing you know like my wife my wife works from home so if i go home you know we're going to talk and then i'm not i'm not going to be able to write a song and you know even though she's working so i have a little garage that i go to but honestly i'd rather drive my my car, and I keep a, a small guitar in it. And I go and I, I park somewhere where no one's going to bother me, and I'll just sit there for hours and, and try to write. So that's kind of my process right now. And then, also with recording technology being so at our fingertips, uh, if I'm doing more of an experimental record, you know, I'll just write that way, and I'll I'll just write with technology more than the organic instrument of the guitar or or piano you know and lyrics are i don't know i used to be like um really you know with lyrics i used to they would come almost at the same time as the music in the past and now i kind of work on the lyrics a little later you know so like i get really into just the the music part of it and then the lyrics to me are kind of like glue I guess they kind of like dictate where the songs, the arrangement of the song Mm. and um, to a fault. Sometimes I wish I could be one of those writers where like I sat in a bar and wrote lyrics and then I came home and put them into music, but I don't, I don't, I rarely work that way, you know?
0: Yeah. And those songs are usually about bars. So (laughs) they're pretty limiting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, but I know I remember I saw Elliot Smith. Because he was in, living in New York at the same time and he'd always be at Max Fish writing lyrics. And I, I, we shared a cab once um to the knitting factory where he was playing with uh, Jim Thurwell from Fetus, who I play guitar for sometimes. And um I'm like, Yeah, I'm going to that show and, and like he was I was always like, Man, that's great that he could just, you know, sit and write in a crowded bar, like just, and just write lyrics and put them to the music later. But I always I always like to have the music first, you know, personally
0: what i like about what you're saying is that it seems to me like you know that you need to get your songwriting fixed in in whatever form that will be you know that it has to happen and it sounds like it happens daily is that is that a fair thing to say
2: yeah yeah i have i mean sometimes i'll take i'll take a break i mean nowadays with the i think the record The way the music business is is i keep saying record business and we don't have very many records nowadays but i think the way the music business is now the artist has to do so much Mm -hmm. right like i put a post on instagram about like with a picture of my guitar and my laptop and i put the laptop usually wins lately because it's it's true like um to get ready for a release even if you're signed even if you have money from someone i mean i learned my mistake with atlantic not to just relax and let someone take over everything right and now that i don't have a big machine like that behind me i mean there's just so much i think musicians are great people to hire because we have to learn how to do so many things right we have to learn how to do photoshop illustrator you know excel spreadsheets sometimes you know like it's not very sexy sounding but um so to answer your question like sometimes i get wrapped up in that stuff you know like oh i gotta design this album cover yeah i could have someone else do it but then, you know, they they might get back to me like a week from now, right? right. So, I, I just I just do so much when it comes to the music and and the presentation of the music that I'll have like a week where I'm just working on that or doing Photoshop or Illustrator, and I should say I'm not very good at it, but I <laughs> but but I attempt it. There's people that do it way better at me, way better than me, and then and then I'll be like, okay, I'm done with that. Now I can relax a little bit and. I got that in the pipeline. Now I could work on some music again. And obviously the music part is what I would love to be doing it every day, you know, but I usually play at least a half hour a day, you know, yeah. like in, in the morning, you know, the morning's the best time for me creatively, you know, because I don't know, it just seems fresh. And I love uh, just playing guitar when I'm, I've had a couple cups of coffee,
0: you know, I don't know if this is true, but if you, if you can't get that in, if you, if if you have to go, three or four days which doesn't sound like a lot but it it is a lot if you don't go you know if you go three or four days without doing something in service to your art in some way what happens to you what kind of art do you notice a personality change do you feel does it make you irritable does it make you feel like um you can't focus on on what's happening in your life because you need to get do your art like how is that how does that present itself to you
2: that's a i love that question that's a great question i mean yeah i get really grumpy you know what i mean and and now that you're just by you asking me that question it it brings it into perspective you know so i'm like why am i so grumpy and and you know uh i said yeah i get really uptight really grumpy if i if i can't just work on music even if it's working on something else that has to do with the presentation of the music i made a year ago right so i get i get super grumpy and then when i do find time to actually play guitar like we we just got back from 29 palms and it was just me and my lady and and we just she had to do work and i would just play guitar for hours and i was like i'm so happy why am i so happy right now i'm like oh because i have uninterrupted time she's cool with me playing guitar she has to do her own thing it was like heaven you know what i mean and as you get a little older like Things, responsibilities happen, and I, it's just like it's creative ADD. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just get really frustrated with it. So, but there are moments, you know, pre-COVID, where I'd have a house to myself, and that's how I made my he ride by helicopter record. Is I would I would be frustrated by not being able to travel. You know, like because I have you know responsibilities as a father and stuff, so I can't just take off whenever I want someplace. <laughs> and the whole school thing, all that. So like, I'd be like, you know what, the kids are in school from what, 8.30 to four or whatever, or three. So I'm gonna spend this time, my, and my wife's at work, I'm gonna spend this time, I'm just gonna discipline myself to write music and record it and just have fun during that time. That's what I did. But now everyone's at home all the time, so,
0: you know. Yeah, so the car becomes the the um, the, the creative space.
2: Yeah, and also the, what what's great about it is you could say, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go get some milk or get the oil change. And you do those things, but you don't have to tell everyone, oh, by the way, I spent an hour in the car too, like play, <laughs> writing music. <laughs> right. right. So there's little, there's little ways to, to extract time out of the day, you know?
0: Yeah, you got to fight for it now. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm a writer and I, I remember years ago, I had a date with with this girl who who was really attractive and I'd been after her for a while like asking her out and she agreed to go out with me and I was super excited and I was working on a piece and I kind of was like trying to thread the needle on the piece and I was getting close but I wasn't there yet and we had a date at seven o'clock and I looked at the at the at the clock and it, and it was like 6 45 and I felt myself getting annoyed you know like Kind of cranky like i need to work on this but there's this beautiful girl waiting for me you know 20 minutes away right. and I, I had to check myself a little bit like hey man you need to like you need to figure this out because you're, you know, you're you're about to embark on something really supposed to be fun and you're cranky about the work that you're not able to do and so it was it was really hard to be honest with you it's very difficult still for me to put you know put something on the back burner that I want to put on the front burner and it seems like that's your daily battle I don't even you know I don't have kids I I have no reason to be complaining for you you've managed to carve out this time but that must be a, a tricky balancing act
2: yeah yeah I mean when I go on tour I get a lot of time too like like uh so we tour Europe a lot like mostly Switzerland and like parts of Germany but especially Switzerland, we've carved a little niche there, you know, and um, I've taken the family there, but a lot of times I go by myself and I have a, a band that's in Europe, you know, um, one Kristen from Lucinda Blackbear, my other band, she does in Abu Dhabi and Frank is a Swiss guy. So she'll fly in from Abu Dhabi and then we just have a lot of time. So, you know, whenever I'm on a, on a, Tour slash vacation, I'll I'll definitely use that time, and you know, to write, and it's awesome too. So, and you know, getting up before everyone else too is is a good trick. You know, it's not very rock and roll, it's not very sexy, but I mean, if I I have slight insomnia for that reason, because like I'll wake up sometimes at four in the morning, you know, when you probably should go back to bed, but I get this excitement where I'm like, the house is totally quiet right now. And I could drink coffee right now and just like do so much, so many things. You know what I mean? So that's another that's another creative hack,
0: I think. It's a great one. I mean, I mean, now that we are men of a certain age, it's like <laughs> there, you know, you look back at the rearview mirror and you go, There's a lot of road back there. And you look in the front and you go, Not as much, right? And it's a little yeah. suddenly time becomes more finite than it was. I mean, when we were in our twenties. I remember when I was writing, I was just writing all day and doing nothing. I mean, I was pretty productive, but I never really thought of time as being so finite and being so valuable. And I think as you get older, you realize like how valuable it is to have your creative time and how essential it is for your psyche.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just by you mentioning that, it's making me realize like um, I'm trying to figure out how not to be too candid about my personal life, but yeah, I mean, we went to couples therapy and we, we had this one therapist, uh, this is like years ago. So, because we had our first kid and, and, um, I, the therapist, looks at me and she's like, you're depressed. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty depressed. And my wife's the one that had the baby. Right. So like, she's the one who who did the hard stuff, but now the, the, the baby's here. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, what I can't, play music right now i can't do this and um that therapist didn't work out because uh you know she was basically saying yeah you know christian should have like a few days a week to write music or something. <laughs> it wasn't the right thing to say with it you know at the time so anyways you know where i'm going i
0: do and I, I actually think the therapist was on to something because i do feel that you know you do need as an artist you need that outlet to be to be clear because i think if it gets sure. clogged up um i mean that that sort of the the beast just grows i would imagine
2: yeah and it's tough because my wife she's in theater so i've done some theater stuff because of her like she's gotten me some great jobs as a musician in theater and, and actually act, a little bit of acting too she she's a creative too so we're always battling like okay who's gonna get the creative time now and right know, and she just went to croatia for a workshop for a, a I'm the composer on the on the piece, this theater piece, um, but we had these like things called children, so we couldn't both just go. So I'm like, you know, why don't you go to Croatia this time? Because I've gotten to go to Europe many times, usually once or twice a year. And it, and so it was awesome to, for her to have that creative. You know, yeah. Phase too. So we try to give you both, we try to give each other, you know, weeks at a time and or days at a time, you know, and
0: just kind of trade. Is there a collaborative element between the two of you creatively?
2: Yeah. I mean, when I write songs for theater, I'm less attached to it in a way, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because like, I think when you're writing songs that w- when your name's attached to it and you're going to tour and be on stage doing your own songs, like it's it's more emotional and you're more, you're more attached to it. It's more of a direct reflection of you, where theater, it's more also, people are very like amazed in, in theater when you come up with a song. They're like, "Oh, that's great!" You know what I mean? Where when you bring it to your band, that like, "Cool, all right, what's the change?" But like, people are like, "Oh, I love that!" You know what I mean? So you feel a little bit more appreciated. And and my wife is a great um, conveyor to the other people involved in our play. Like like they could tell her what they want. And then she can tell me and then we work really good together and she'll write the lyrics too sometimes and so i i get pressure off from writing the lyrics and and also we don't like labor over the lyrics sometimes you know what i mean yeah um, so we it's actually pretty good the the hard time the hard part is is actually sitting down to the table to do it you know
0: yeah but i know what you mean though because because theater theater people project they're very emotive and they're very they're great they're so enthusiastic about about stuff like rock and roll goes, oh, that's cool that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you can't wait to
2: show your bandmates like i oh got this great song they're oh my they're gonna be amazed how it like modulates here and like how it's in five four or something you know i'm like but it goes back to six eight you know time signature and then you get there and they're like and i'll ask the drum what time what 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 you know how would you write out this time this time signature they're like I don't know. I just play it. I don't about that, you know. So whatever. It's just, I like, I, that's another thing. I like having different mediums for music, you know.
1: In the Wiedemann house By the rote one In the gut of my tears Near the red light vices In the Wiedemann house by the rope on Strasse Near the wreck-wreck there Where the fight keeps fighting In alleys warm If gods could speak They'd speak through her Behind her window Off her been sworn. In the cocaine eyes Of a stranger's comfort The assailant sweeps with a smile unnervous Near the equine walls Of a house that's faded He's practiced lines For love to happen If we could shield A heart that needs Its masquerade Like an orphan's Violent ties Are never tamed In the beating light Of a primal yearning Walking through my sleep Zerk skies are burning By the window there In a higher calling, feel the good of my tears. There's a past concern over time. These waters flow like vagrants.
0: A better collaborator now than you were 20 years ago or are you are you pretty easy guy to work with oh
2: i i love like i play with other people too you yeah. know like i think i'm a good collaborator i'm a better collaborator as a sideman you know what i mean when it's someone else's project and with with you know avant-garde like theater stuff whatever i think i'm a pretty good collaborator i like if there's too many cooks in the kitchen i'm not good at that you know what i mean so if it's like two or three people, I love that. You know what I mean? Um two people's like max usually. When it, then when more people get involved, it gets a little bit like okay, this is going to be a battle a little bit. You know what I mean? Cuz yeah. you'll you'll your juices will get flowing, and you'll and you'll you'll be going in one direction, and you think it's going great and then I think there has to be a decider with with in my humble opinion, like with in collaboration, like maybe not between two people writing a song in Nashville or something, but like like with theater stuff or or bigger projects, um, there's got to be someone who, who says, you know, this is the way. No, we're gonna we're gonna go this way. We're not gonna go off on this tangent, you know, because that can happen, you know. Um, I would like to collaborate more. I, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I don't like. It would be nice to have a band again, you know, where you're you don't have to make every single decision, you know. Um, but then with that comes a lot of i don't know it's hard to keep a band together too yeah i mean
0: a band can be a beautiful example of a democracy and a beautiful example of a democracy being like demolishing itself right right right. like i i wonder about those punk bands a lot of those cargo bands you mentioned like i was thinking about the cargo label i wonder how those bands you know they'd get in the van and just drive you know and i wonder like There had to be. There's no way you can be doing that into your 40s. Like that just seems to me like that that had a timestamp on it. That was going to have to expire at one point. Because how do you not want to kill each other in that kind of capacity? But now, now as you get older and you think like a collaborative band process, everyone's not in the same city. Everyone, I mean, I don't know. A band, a band seems like a really tricky thing. I, I think like. The fact that you two have stayed together this long with all the same members is like a miracle when you think about it.
2: Yeah, I think I think one or two people in the band that are the maybe writing a lot of the songs, you know, have to be more generous, you know, to keep the band afloat. Yeah, you know, because I mean? public when when the issue of publishing comes up, you know what I mean. I remember like Morning Glories, and we went to the lawyer guy and he's like all right who writes the songs and and then it became this awkward thing and i think a lot of bands go through that like splitting up the publishing and all that stuff so yeah that's usually what breaks bands up i think in youtube's case and probably rem and all that stuff they probably the principal songwriters are just i from what i heard they're just like yeah everyone will just split it four ways you know and that's great i'm not saying i'm that way you know what i mean yeah but i think that's how bands stay together you know
0: But in terms of you know, in terms of fatherhood, is that like did you take to it pretty quick? Did it did it start to click in for you pretty fast? You want this is a pretty this is a cool gig.
2: Yeah, I mean my uh, week it was kind of a spontaneous decision. I mean, like I guess I always wanted to be a dad, and and uh, we I remember we were visiting my wife's grandma, and she's like a. She's my wife's half half Mexican American, and I remember her grandma was like, "Mija, babies don't cost money," you know, like whether we were talking about having a baby or not. And I thought of I me mean, like, "Hey, she's right. Babies don't really cost that much money. Like, you got to go to the hospital and have the baby." But and then I didn't think about like later on though, like all the money that babies when they grow up. So it was just kind of like, "Yeah, let's, let's go for it." um And then. I definitely like early fatherhood. It's awesome when they're small. Like, uh, I don't know how excited your listeners will be about this conversation, but about fatherhood, but <laughs> I'm going to go for it. They'll um, be into
0: it. They'll be into
2: it. All right, cool. I like it when they're really small because that's like the isolation phase. It's kind of like COVID in a way, right? Like you get to play house and you're just like, people invite you to parties and like, you want to go on this trip and you and you get to say no to everything. Right. You want to do this show? Uh, no, I got a baby. No, sorry, I got to help raise the baby. So I love that phase, and then they get a little older, and then you got to kind of like make sure they go and get involved and stuff. That's that's the more codependent phase as a parent, where I'm like, is my kid doing enough stuff? Like, is he involved in enough sports? Is he like, sh- should he be playing in this rock band thing? You know, and this thing in Brooklyn. You know, so so. I love the, the the homebody stage of fatherhood, mm-hmm. like the earth. You know, I, I love all of it, but it's it's a little more challenging now.
0: You know, I never thought about that. It's like a baby is great because it can basically get you out of any situation you don't want to be in.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I kicked into overdrive. I made three records when I was having my second kid with three different projects because I had a, a a deal with a small Swiss label and they're like hey man where's the record so they are the people that wanted the record and then to prove to myself that i wasn't losing myself to fatherhood my creative self you know um and that i was going to still be able to play music and not fall by the wayside like a lot of people do when they have kids you know and they kind of just stop playing music um i i just i also i didn't want my I think I had to prove something or something. So I, I started, I, had, I did a side project called The Droves with my old drummer from Morning Glories. And then I did a Lucinda Blackbear record and I did a C. Gibbs record. And I, I did all that with like when the second baby was coming. So
0: when you think back now, do you go, well, that's pretty impressive? Well,
2: I mean, what they weren't, it wasn't all simultaneously. Like, so I think I started one and then, and then like four months later, I started the other one, but they all around the same time yeah I was like I just had to like I couldn't I just had to make sure I wasn't gonna stop playing music and get a some kind of job where I couldn't play music anymore and so yeah it it was a hard period but it was fun I I was kicking one of those bouncy things you know those those things that the babies go to sleep in yeah and make it go up and down and I was I was writing songs for the the Swiss you know the Swiss label for the C Gibbs record they're like we only want like rock and roll songs. We don't want any experimental folky stuff, right? I have a bad Swiss German accent. But anyway, <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll give him some rock songs. And then like Russell Simmons from Blues Explosion played on it, you know? And then Kristen from Lucinda Black Bear played on it. We did. we recorded half of it in Switzerland and half of it in New York. And uh, it was just a fun rock record, you know? Like we just kind of knocked it out really quick.
0: Yeah, and, and during COVID, did you did you um get on the phone with fellow musician friends to sort of like say so like check in and say like how are you doing with all this stuff? Did you have a network of people who are in the same business as you that were sort of like a good um support system? A little bit. I
2: mean I did like I talked to Jim from Fetus, you know, steroid Maximus, Jim Thurwell, and then I talked to Tim, my drum the drummer who plays with me, um, Tim Cool, and he's also his own creative you know he he does releases records on his own and he's he's a session musician for some high you know more much more famous people than i mean whatever i'm not even famous but like like more prominent artists like like sean lennon and margaret glaspie and i think like a tour canceled for him And so the phone helped to just you know i would console him a little bit and we were all trying to figure things out but i kind of i kind of also went into like a hermetic phase you know what i mean because i i definitely like to have a lot of time to myself you know so i was like well this is perfect you know i had a place upstate new york yeah on, on three acres we just hauled out up there and i just isolated from everybody i bought a bow and arrow and you know just some ice cream <laughs> just kind of kind of hit out and i and i was like we actually we we did write i did write one song as a, a benefit song for the whole covid thing you know like to help buy masks or something you know like the the front line you know people on the front line dealing with the covid um i don't think we raised a lot of money but it was fun having that project to to distract myself you know so i did that with this guy ryan max dollar and we just kind of wrote a song about the whole covid thing and um that was that was that was good so to answer your question yeah
0: so you had your family with you and you had a, a bow and arrow and some ice cream and you were you were set
2: yeah yeah it was that was a it was a funny little photo I'm oh like, i got my bow and arrow at the at the store you know like as we found out we thought they were going to shut down all the tunnels and bridges and so i think we went to walmart which is the only store i could find i usually don't like i like to support the smaller stores but we went to walmart and i got the bow and arrow and the ice cream and you know a bunch of canned food and one upstate. and i'm like we can On our food if we have to it was it was a kid's bone era if i'm if i'm gonna be honest
0: (laughs) (laughs) still sounds cool man um and in terms of i'm noticing a lot of like this summer um a lot of sort of surfing was happening did you did you rediscover your passion for surfing had you had you put the board down for a while
2: yeah yeah um because we i lived in new york for i've gone back and forward to la to new york a few times now um now i'm in san diego again north county san diego so it's mm-hmm. different from where i grew up it's and it's a great i live a block and a half from the beach now like i can walk i, I surfed this morning I, w- I just walked out for for a half an hour i just went for a half an hour and walked home and um we're just renting you know so it's a very humble place it's not you know but um yeah like on the East Coast, we would surf Rockaway and Montauk, and but it was a little bit more hard. And we are more like river people. We would go upstate, and but when the a swell would come in, we'd surf Montauk or Rockaway whenever we could. But I wasn't one of those surfers who surf in the winter time. Like I know in San Francisco, you guys got people that are brave and will surf oh, that yeah. cold and sharks and stuff. So when the pandemic happened, I was just like, my wife's from Rodano Beach, but we met in bedside Brooklyn, and I was like, why are we still up here like i don't i I love new york i'll always love to have it you know and we still uh we sublet our apartments so we still got it if we want to go back but i was like let's just go where we could you know do outdoor stuff if this pandemic lingers on and that's what we did and the school system in new york was bugging me out too and and so we just came out here and rented a cheap as far as you can cheap for close to the beach apartment, and then I got my uh, frustrations out by just going in the water a lot and my kid loves it too. So he, he surfs more than me now. So, you know, uh, so we have something we, me and him can do together and it's, it's, it's great. Like I, I got to pinch myself. Like I never thought he would take to it. So we get, we surf a lot and there, there's a certain danger with this kind of lifestyle in California, though, in Southern California and I have to keep myself in check with that you know
0: danger (laughs) in what in what way
2: well it's a quality problem I don't want I don't want to sound like like people have way more serious problems than this it's not even a problem but you can get really relaxed you know what I mean out here like New York City kind of lends itself to that the grit and like you know you got to walk up your four-floor walk up and it's humid 90 degrees and someone's yelling at you when you're parking and you can't there's nowhere to park at the grocery place or you got to carry your groceries you know from trader joe's on the subway you know where when you have a lifestyle like here where the weather's kind of nice a lot yeah and you, you can surf a couple hours a day you know five days a week you know you gotta kind of be more disciplined when it comes to making music you know what i mean because you could just get a little bit relaxed and like ah you know i'll just I will wait on finishing that song there you know cuz I'm on the surf and then you come back out of the water but a, a lot of times lyrics will come while, you, while you're doing so, like you know any like if you're working out I don't know what you do personally but
0: I'm a tennis I'm a tennis player see that's my that's my stringing machine man I'm yeah, oh, wow. I'm, yeah. but there's a rhythm to tennis and this I know exactly what you're talking about
2: yeah so you know I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to Start writing, you know, reggae island songs or anything. And that I, I love reggae. I, I mean, I'm not, but I'm not, but you gotta, that could happen. You know, you can move to San Diego and you start growing dreadlocks and, you know, wearing sandals all the time and your music might change. So I do have to, I, that sounds a little pretentious, but I gotta keep it in check and just like, you know, but getting back to the mod thing growing up in high school, like we had surfer mods, you know, and yeah. so people were making great psychedelic music. We would play these, Shows at Brownfield, you know, it's this, this kind of airport out here in Eastern San Diego. There would be like bands like the Telltale Hearts and, you know, Manual Scan. And so, whatever, I don't know. I just, you just got to stay more on your toes, not to get too relaxed, is what I'm saying, I think.
0: Right. Like you, like, you don't want to suddenly start making a record that sounds like a Jack Johnson record. No disrespect to Jack, but that's just not what you want to be doing. It's interesting because a lot of what you're saying, the through line is, having kids but keeping your edge, right? Um you know, living in San Diego, but keeping the edge, not not getting too comfortable and keep making sure that you keep um that you're sort of in touch with the the dark, the darkness, I guess a little bit, you know, like not not writing about um, you know, how great a how great a sunset is. Um because surfing is really interesting because surfing is something that you feel it's hard to describe it even to other surfers, they get it. But like, it's not that interesting, ultimately. It's only really interesting to you because it's so experiential. Um, and you don't want to write a song about how great it is to surf. Like, I get it. I totally understand that. Um, so so the the fight in being adu- an adult, being a father, um, being where you are geographically, has. it seems to me to retain your edge. How do you retain that edge? Um, yeah. Sounds like you're doing it, man. I mean, what, everything I hear from you, I love. And it's like, it seems to come from a place that is not where you're living now. It seems to come from a, from a kind of, um, kind of mythical, uh, dark kind of, uh, city. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we, you know, we've been here for 10 months now. So,
2: I mean, I did the new song, the very first song on the, on the new record, is called Tales from the Terramar. And that's, you know, what I call the record too. And I was like, it's, it's, I probably, I was like, I should probably call the record like it's something else but and we were talking about being creative in the car and <clears throat> most of the record was recorded in brooklyn and some of it was written in zurich switzerland because i was doing a four-month theater theater project out there but um <clears throat> i, I drop my kids off and then like i said i need that time in the car and i'd go park by my this this uh my favorite place on on the cliffs there. you know it's not actually at Terramar, but it's really close to it and i would just write songs there and the lyrics kind of refer a little bit to, to surfing but in in uh more abstract lyrics you know like sail down god's fingertips like stuff like that you know what i mean yeah. like um but you know there it it, it talks it's more of a, a coming home of sorts you know the song it, It's not like paddling for that left and you know did a Cut back and whatever. It's more like you know, sail down, sell down God's fingertips and blah blah blah, and, and like the black suited man, you know, like stuff like that. So I like to. You could, and I'm not knocking anyone, any of those Southern California. No, no. Bands. Yeah, they're great. I actually, I actually listened. I was listening to something, you know, when you listen and it t- it plays some song randomly. Yeah. I was on the radio and then I was like, oh, I kind of like this, and and uh. Sometimes you'll be surprised what you like,
0: you know. So, yeah, no, I'm cool. I'm actually fine with with uh, with a Jack Johnson album or a Jason Mraz album or a Donovan what is his last name Donovan Franken writer, whatever.
2: Got okay. to check that out. I keep hearing about that. Everyone keeps yeah, mentioning it. It's cool. That. And it's then you cool. have and you have all these San Diego bands that probably don't talk about the surfing, but they're in these crazy punk bands or really art arty bands you know but they just don't talk about it to me i guess i i'm really it's it's still fresh for me like moving back here so it's and it's something that i'm amazed at um how much pleasure it can give me you know what i mean like it just it's i don't know it just mellows me out you know what i mean
0: yeah and 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 your your writing style what you're saying is that it it becomes encoded and it becomes sort of things become mythologized and things are given this sort of coat of of C. Gibbs darkness that that I think is really, really great. Cause you're not writing about surfing, but there might be a surfing metaphor in there that is encoded and is used <laughs> as a kind of device. Um, so I totally get what you, and I think you do it really, really well. Um, but, it, but it's an interesting thing cause I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a, it's a tricky one because you want to sort of, um, you know, when, you, when you're writing, you want to be able to access that place that feels comfortable for you um but man i just love your work i've always i've always been really fascinated by you as a as a you're just such a great writer and your stuff to me is um it's it's got this kind of mystique to it, it like you you tap into this to this really cool thing and it's just you know I, your body of work is very impressive
2: oh thank you thanks yeah it's fun to, it's fun to do it i love doing it still
0: yeah exactly i i and i i You know, it's it's just awesome. Have you read uh that book, Tapping the Source? No. Dude, you gotta read this book. I just finished it. And um, it's it's the book. Don't be scared away by this, but it was the book that inspired Point Break. Oh, really? But you'll but there's nothing in it that will remind you of Point Break. It's really dark and really fucked up. And it's takes place in Redondo Beach in like the late 70s, early 80s, like punk is starting to happen, and it is gritty as hell. But it's about, but surfing is the backdrop and um, it's phenomenal. It was a really harrowing, tense, dark read. I think you'd really enjoy it.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I love that we, we, we watched that movie the other day um, and I was wondering, I kept wondering if there's any bad parts in it, you know, because i watched it with the, with, with the kids. And, oh, the kids. Yeah. But I think uh, the older one liked it. So, do you, so do we, you at, we, we had to fast forward a couple of parts. I
0: think. Yeah. There's a couple of spots. Yeah. <laughs> couple spots do you look at your kids and go man that guy reminds me a lot of me do you see a lot of yourself in your in your kids
2: yeah yeah sometimes especially both of our our hairs have turned blonde since we moved here so so my my oldest one all our hair like just got drenched you know people i think people think i'm dying my hair white or something but
0: (laughs) it's like your body remembered living there
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know i know yeah, so yeah, I do see, I, I do see some of that definitely.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know it's not easy, but you carving out time in the car, even for an interview, but I, I really appreciate it. I mean, I gotta tell you, like honestly, I love your work. But like, I two dollar forward is a song that I've been carrying around with me for like twenty five years, and it's just been so important to me. So thanks just for that alone.
2: Oh, thank you. I. That it's funny two dollar forward. We almost had a good payday with that song too it's funny you, you mentioned that song because uh it almost got used in a a movie and it was one of those things i was in boca raton or somewhere and in florida on a vacation and i got a call i was like do you own the publishing in two dollar four? do you own the master i'm like yeah they're like okay you got to go to sign all these pieces of paper we're gonna buy it for 20 grand or something and then to so me and we were trying to decide what kind of new couch we we're going to get on the plane ride. It, it was, I'm not even going to finish the story because it was, it's depressing how it ended, but yeah. Um, they cut the scene, I guess, that $2 Ford is supposed to be in, you know, so, but it would, have, it would have paid for some guitars, you know, it would have been nice if they if the scene didn't get
0: cut. But. Have, have you become pretty good at sort of shouldering disappointment, like when those kinds of things happen, because in rock and roll, just like in life, those things do happen. Have you yeah. become better at, at keeping expectations low and being able to sort of protect yourself from from disappointment?
2: Not really, because like music licensing and everything.
0: There's your the kid. Uh, the
2: yeah, 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 <laughs> okay. you just finished, he's cool. Um, music music licensing, like, you know, because of streaming now, that's like a big source of income, so. Yeah. Um, you kind of need that to, to like recoup records and stuff and so i still have a hard time with it if i'm going to be totally honest with you but it's it's gotten easier you know and and and, and you definitely got to, like expectation is a pre premeditated resentment is what i like to say so definitely i i'll try to set my expectations down but um you know we're all we all love well, you know making music and or whatever you do as a creative pursuit so you, you always want it to have the the best life you know
0: yeah well man go be a dad i appreciate you taking the time and it's good to connect with you
2: hey thanks so much for the for the interview Thank I, you. I, I saw you had colin molding on or one of the guys from xcc yeah yeah that's cool that's great man um paul fox produced the atlantic record and he produced oranges and lemons
0: i didn't even know that
2: yeah so he i got to work with him and we talked a lot about xcc and you know so I was really, that was a great experience.
0: And there was a great band, right? Yeah, yeah. They are great. I
2: was, I, I was checking out your uh, blog and I saw that. I was like, oh, that's so cool that he had, you know, one of the XCC guys on there.
0: Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was. You know, it was awesome because I had Greg Norton on from Hisker Dude. That was pretty cool.
2: Really? Oh my, awesome. that's awesome.
0: Yeah, what? that was a little. That was a little nerve rattling. He was great. Um, well, cool, man. Come back on the show. It'd be fun to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's great to see you. C. Gibbs. I really like that guy. Easy guy to talk to. So nice. And um, just a cool dude. And his music? Unbelievable. I don't think he's ever written a bad song. I love everything he's done. And uh, you will too. Check him out on Bandcamp. .bandcamp cgibbs.bandcamp.com Tales from the Terramar is a great entry point if you don't know his music and then work your way backwards. Reverse engineer catch up on all the stuff he's done. Or... If you're already on board, then you know how great he is, and you know how great this album is, and this is all old news to you. And if you listen to this podcast, this is also old news as well, but my website, alexgreenonline.com, is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Embers Editor. You can follow me on Instagram, at emberspodcast, Podcast, or you can go super old school and just email me, editor, at Stereo Embers magazine. Go to bombshellradio.com, find out what makes our radio station tick. And don't forget, Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. I don't know why I'm delivering it in such a syncopated way. It's like I'm reading a telegram. Don't forget, stop. Stereo, stop. Embers, stop, is available on all podcast platforms. When you get off the submarine, uh, do check it out. Uh, Anyone you're comfortable with is fine with us. We're on all of them. iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Audible, Amazon. Uh, We're everywhere. You can't avoid us. So rate and review. We would appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for listening to our program week in and week out. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Hotel Indochine from C. Gibbs' new album, Tales from the Terramar. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here. On Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Take a load of freight
1: through a southern state. If my everyday could only be this sea, from the fossil walls to the capitals, cast of one I'm called.